You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 238th edition of Assembly Call Radio and our 760th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of December 9th, 2021. I'm your host, Andy Bottoms. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. Well, I have the somewhat unenviable task of trying to come up with the banner moment a night removed from the loss at Wisconsin, although the one of one of my co-hosts for tonight actually had to come up with a banner moment in the immediate aftermath of the game, so I can't complain too much. Um, it, it, it's tough to find... It's tough to focus on the positives without feeling like you're sugarcoating things a bit uh, after a game like that and the way that it went. I guess what I would go back and, and look at with a little bit of time to reflect on it and as somebody who didn't watch the game in real time other than the end uh, would be that you know watching the team in the first half is a sign of what this team's potential is. Now, they didn't come anywhere close to reaching that potential in the second half, but I also think that if you really focus on when this team is playing its best, they can be fun to watch, can be competitive, can be successful. And the question now at this point is, how do you get them to play their best basketball for bigger portions of the game? And that's the question that faces the players and the staff as we move forward. But I do think there were positives to be taken from that, even though the overall result was incredibly disappointing. And I think the other thing would be, we we talked about this just before we went on, and this is probably an unfair argument to make, but if you, you didn't watch any of the games and, and you just kind of transported from when the season began to where we are right now, and somebody told you you'll be 7-2 and two with losses at Syracuse and at Wisconsin, one in double overtime and one by five points, you probably wouldn't feel terrible about it. You feel terrible about it because of the way those games played out and how imminently winnable they were uh, at various points. But I think from an overall standpoint, this team still has its goals in front of it, uh, and I think there are opportunities to do that, but there certainly is a lot of room to improve from a consistency standpoint, and and hopefully uh, we'll see that. But we'll, uh, it, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that need to happen in order to get to that point, but I certainly feel better at least having seen some of the highs because you know that they're there as opposed to having watched some of these games where you don't feel like the team has an extra gear because you just haven't seen it. We've seen it. We just haven't seen it consistently enough. All right, with that, let me introduce my esteemed co-host for tonight. First, to my left. He remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar. Heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, but remember, fake hustle is a crime. He's the coach and it's time. All right, coach, you've had a, a night or a day's worth of time to reflect on the game from last night after, uh, like I said, having the unenviable task of trying to host the post game show for one like that. So what, what, uh, when the sun came up this morning, what are your, what maybe has changed in your thoughts about the game versus, uh, how you felt in the immediate, uh, at right after the horn. 
Well, I was thankful I was breathing uh, when I when I woke up. Uh, that was a good sign. Um, the shower was nice. Uh, you know, we had a bracketology meeting at seven twenty, and uh, we slotted some teams in brackets and out of brackets. Um, life life goes on. It, it, it's a basketball game. I'm trying to focus on the positives, and, and if you do that, uh, you're going to focus on uh, the second half of Syracuse and the first half uh, last night, as the team can play that way. I was thinking during the first half, I almost texted Coach Adranian saying, uh, buddy, you got your work cut out for you for all these sets. I even thought this is the NBA uh, background of Coach Woods, and he's just chopping up this uh, Wisconsin defense with his sets and everything. And then it seemed like uh, everything just got stuck in the second half, and including maybe some of, of the play calls. Um, but I, I've settled in on this. Uh, I think your greatest strength uh, is is also your greatest weakness as an individual, as a coach, as a player, and I think you're seeing that play out in the team. I thought Tyler's piece was was spot on. He'll get to talk a little bit more about that, uh, the Jekyll and Hyde up and down nature of the team. Uh, but but Coach Woodson is, is a confidence giver. Uh, he trusts his guys, and that's a great strength, and I think ultimately that'll pay off in the long run because players play better under that. Uh, but sometimes when you give uh, that confidence uh, and that trust, things go uh, south and can go south quickly. And, and I think Coach is figuring that it might be a little different to trust NBA guys to go get a bucket uh, than it is to trust guys in, in college to go get a bucket. And, and I think, you know, I, I'm always a coach defender, uh, but I come along to Ryan's point of view where you had to draw something up uh, in those last six minutes. And despite getting it to the right people, uh, they – those right people didn't finish, uh, but but maybe there's some learning uh, going on there. But I think ultimately we'll address the the direction of the Woodson era. You know, I, I think those things are going to end up being okay once we get over the hurt of these two real tough losses. Uh, I think it's going to pay dividends. I think you'll see some wins that maybe weren't expected, or maybe that's just my hope. But I'm trying to be a little more positive uh, than when I, um, I was just down and shocked uh, at, at the results yesterday. All right, and to my right, he is writing some of the most insightful and well-written commentary pieces on IU basketball this season for Inside the Hall. It's Tyler Tashman. Uh, Tyler, you suffered through the IU football season. Uh, you now have the task of writing about this basketball team, which is a little bit Jekyll and Hyde. Um, but just in, in terms of, I guess before we get into too much of the Wisconsin game, you know, your, your thoughts on maybe differences in covering the team this year versus last yeah um i mean th this year to me has just been a lot more exciting obviously just kind of the optimism around the program since mike woodson uh took over um just makes it more more fun to to you know write about and and stay engaged with the team and um people seem just to be much more willing to read stuff and, and just kind of uh the excitement around the program so um in, in that regard it's it's been a lot more enjoyable i think you know regardless of whether I was covering the team last year, or this year, like I, I just, I try to remain grateful for the opportunity for it, you know, regardless of how the team is doing. So uh, yeah, just, I mean, excited regardless of how the team does to, to be able to have the opportunity to cover them. All right. Well, we definitely want to get your thoughts on, on both the piece that you wrote um, in the aftermath of this and just some other general thoughts about the Wisconsin game. So we'll, uh, we'll circle back to that in a minute. Uh, but here's what we're going to cover overall on the show this week. So one, uh, we want to talk uh, about IU Wisconsin. You know, the timing of these shows sometimes being a day or two after the game gives a little bit of time to digest what happened and maybe formulate some additional thoughts about it. So we'll talk through those and also get Tyler's perspective there. Uh, then we want to 
look at the Mike Woodson era after the first quarter of the first season. Uh, we'll talk about what's going right, some things that may not be going as well as we'd hoped, and and then some lingering questions as we go forward into the last few games of the non-conference season and then the Big Ten season soon to follow. And then in segment three, we'll hit your questions as we always do. So all of that will be coming up this week on Assembly Call Radio. But before we do that, uh, this edition of Assembly Call Radio is presented by our friends at Home Field Apparel. So as you think about what Christmas presents to get your loved ones, make sure that your online shopping includes a trip to homefieldapparel.com. For the IU fans in your life, Home Field has the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you'll find anywhere with beloved logos like two different versions of the bison. You can tell that Jared wrote this because it does not make any mention of the oval. Uh, and for fans of other college teams, Homefield probably has something for them too, considering their product line now extends to more than 120 different schools with unique vintage logos for all of them. And no matter what you buy, you know it will be comfortable and the colors will last through many washings. Plus, you're supporting an Indiana-based company that came up through the Kelly School of Business. So what could be better than that? Go to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code HOME to get 15% off your entire first order. For those of you who have not actually ordered yet, uh, again, that's promo code HOME for 15% off. Once again, the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. All right, guys. So let's let's talk as much as it may pain us uh, to, talk, to talk IU Wisconsin takeaways. Uh, Tyler, I want to hit your piece first. I, I retweeted this today. I thought it uh, articulated well what I guess my general feelings were about it. And it was... You know, Jared, Jared called out a, a specific line here, but it was essentially trying to paint the picture of, you know, it, it, no one is going to be happy with how the, the, the inconsistency has been there, but there's also not reason to hit the panic button quite yet. Uh, and so basically the, the, you know, the quote he pulled out, this isn't a loss that will end any Indiana season by any means, but it does continue to reveal a concerning trend Two have revealed two distinctly different Indiana teams. If Indiana wants to have success down the road, it will have to figure out its split personality. Uh, so as you, you sat down to write that as, as you've watched this team over the course of the season and seen some of those Jekyll and Hyde performances within games, you know, what, what stands out to you and, and maybe what indication might you have that, that one of those teams is the more realistic view of what this team can be than the other? Well, I will say when Indiana does have things going as they did in the first half, and we've seen moments and stretches where they've looked like really good, is that it's just fun to watch. Like everyone is in unison. Uh, the offense is humming. There, there's really good movement. There's good uh, communication on the defensive end. Um, but on the other hand, then you have – like the second half against Wisconsin where um, everything just looks disjointed. There looks like there, there's no rhythm in the offense. And it really does like, you know, last night it felt like watching two, it felt like it was two different teams, it, it, you know, it was, but it wasn't, it was, it was, a, you know, mostly the same personnel on the floor. And this is basically what we've seen for a lot of the season, you know, going back to the Eastern Michigan, the, the, the opener uh, where they had a really good first half and kind of fell, fell apart in the second half and almost lost the game. Um, same with St. John's, they, they get a win out of there, but um, and then they kind of flip it to where they, they start off the game kind of slow um, as against Syracuse and uh, and Nebraska, and, and then they are able to pick it up in the second half. So there hasn't really been, I don't feel like, a full performance um, against, uh, you know, a, a team that is in a non, you know, a non-conference, non-power five team. 
Um, you know, so if Indiana keeps doing this in the Big Ten, it's just not going to – it's just, you know, you're going to continue to see what happened against Wisconsin in that you just can't put play 20 minutes – play really good 20 minutes and then play the other 20 minutes terribly and expect to win. Like, that's just that's just not going to work out. And, you know, the, the good news is that Indiana still has a lot of time to figure this out in terms of, you know, they have a couple of non-conference games coming up. I wouldn't say a lot of time, but they have some time to figure it out before they really get into the meat of the Big Ten schedule. But if they're not able to figure it out, it's, it's just difficult to see um, them continuing to have success if they can't put together a full game. Um, so, you know, I think that's the biggest thing is there have been really good flashes of potential. Um, but, it, you know, it's being able to stay, sustain that for a full game and you can put two games together and you can put three games together because, um, you know, the margin for error in, in the Big Ten is just not very big. Yeah, Coach, curious to get your your thoughts on this. I think the Syracuse game, I think there was some willingness on the parts of, of some fans, not everyone, to, to kind of say, ah, it was your first game on the road, tough place to play, tough scheme to play against, different things like that. They adjust in the flow of the game and get better uh, as the game goes on. In in the game against Wisconsin, you know, almost the opposite is true. You know, they got over the fact that you were playing on the road. I mean, it was dead silent in there toward the end of the first half uh, before they gave it that 5-0 run to, to close the half. So then you go into the locker room and you come back out. Like To to what do you attribute that from a, a coaching perspective? Is that just kind of who these guys are from a personality standpoint? Because those are some of the same kinds of things we saw a year ago. Is that – I think the natural fan reaction is to say, well, you just thought you are going to you know walk out there and – play out the 20 minutes and, and go through it that way and just expect the other team's going to roll over and, and didn't come with the same intensity. Like, what do you, what do you think leads to that? And and I guess maybe more importantly, depending upon the answer, what, what can be done to, to fix it? You know, uh, if I had that answer, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you under two wonderful people. I, I'd be out recruiting or, or I'd, I'd like to think that you would still talk right to now, us but anyway, then, but, but clearly yeah, that's I, not true. Okay. I no, I'd have, I had my agent <laughs> agent talk to you. Um, it's a great question. I, I th I'm worried that it's their personality. Um, we, we've seen some of the same players. I think Tyler is just spot on in his analysis uh, and, and um, the potential talk and, and the concerns in the Big Ten are just spot on. Uh, it You guard against it as a coach. You talk about we got to win the second half. You know, they're, they're going to make a run. You got to do everything. So you, you try coaching it and, and sometimes you're successful and sometimes you're not. So that's the part of the coaching. You got to, you got to play the second half like it's zero, zero. Uh, it's hard sometimes when you have young athletes to, to get them mentally prepared for playing a weaker opponent or when you're up 20 and everything went smooth, there is a natural tendency to think that's just going to continue. Uh, but that's just not a, a championship uh, mindset at all uh, if players have that. that that's my concern um, with this team is that it's a, it's a real big pattern right now. It, it, Tyler, I look back, kind of watching the game back. I was telling you guys before we got on, I, I was at my daughter's practice, so I didn't get to watch the game live. I saw the last few minutes, and then I kind of went back, and I watched the uh, I watched the watched it from the beginning and was – one of those like what what am I actually watching uh, after having watched the end of the game and watched in the first half but you know as I look back at it I thought the the stretch of play at the end of the very of the first half and at the beginning of the second half were really crucial and allowed Wisconsin to get back in the game you get up by 22 give up five quick points there uh, at the end of the half where Davis makes a jumper and gets fouled um, you know Xavier Johnson makes a turnover then Davis makes another jumper 
IU doesn't get really get a shot at the end of regulation. And then you come out in the second half and almost every possession used TJD missed on the first possession, but the next six possessions, I think five or six possessions are Xavier Johnson, either missing shots, going to the late, going, you know, getting fouled and one turnover, missed jumper, missed a driver race, got a put back. Like he was really using a ton of possessions early. I mean, what, what was your impression of that stretch? And I guess your impression of, is that Xavier Johnson just trying to, you know, take over the game to, I, I don't know. I think that was the stretch to me where they really let him back in it. So just, just your thoughts on, you know, that, that stretch is a turning point in the game. Yeah. I mean, I think Xavier Johnson has certainly taken kind of a, a brunt of the criticism um, after the game. And I mean, he, he was one for 10 in the second half, which can't, can't happen if Indiana wants to win. Um, but, you know, do give him credit after the game. He, he owned the loss. He said that, um, you know, he, he owned that that part of the part of the loss was on him. So, you know, credit to him for that. But um, I will say just about kind of his second half performance in general is that um, when he wasn't on the floor, when, when Rob Fennessey was on the floor instead of him, uh, Indiana's office offense just didn't didn't have much going either. So um, I think when he came into the game kind of later when, you know, I think Indiana was maybe up by 10 or eight, that the lead was starting to go down a little bit um, that there, there wasn't really many other options in terms of guys looking for their shots. I think, you know, Miller Kopp and Parker Stewart kind of fell off of the face of the earth in the second half after, after playing really well in the first half. And, um, you know, certainly you need to get the ball to Trace Jackson Davis more down low, but I don't have a problem with Xavier Johnson being assertive and trying to take uh, matters into his own hands. If nothing else is happening, because Indiana's offense, I mean, it was stagnant. It didn't look like, you know, there was any cohesion, there, there was any real movement. So I don't fault him for trying to take over and, and, you know, trying to make something happen. Now, some of the looks probably weren't the quality that you would want. Um, but, you know, I think his aggression and, and wanting to try to make things happen when nothing else was happening, I don't fault him for that at all. Um, so, you know, I, I think, you know, there, there's certainly the, the argument that, he did not play as well as he needed to. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think that th there was nothing else happening in that some of the time he just kind of was trying to do the best that he could with, with what he had. So, um, but yeah, I mean, the, the bottom line is Indiana needs to get the ball to trace more um, in the post and, and it's, you know, especially in the second half. And he didn't really get that many touch. I think Nebraska guarded him really well too, where they wouldn't commit to a double team, but rather kind of have, uh, defenders jump in from the perimeter and bother him so he couldn't tell whether the double team was coming so you know this is going to continue to happen so you know indiana is going to have to adjust um and, and figure out how they're going to um do, you know change their offensive game plan and be able to get trace more looks yeah i thought coach i'm gonna throw this to you for a question here in a second but yeah i mean tjd so I, when i went back and kind of charted the possessions you know he gets the first first possession misses a shot inside scores on a lob on the, I think maybe the eighth possession, then he's out for a little while, comes back in, gets, gets fouled. One of the first possessions that he gets back in the game makes one or two. And then really from there, he had a chance to put back and then they tried to, you know, set him up for a hook on the, on the block, but he ends up with, you know, just those four shots really spread out over the course of the game. So coach, did you feel like that was something Wisconsin did schematically to, to try to take him out of it? And, and if so, you know, what maybe was the counter that I, you should have done instead of, of what they ended up doing. 
Yeah, you know that that's an interesting point because the other team's coaching and the other team's trying to win too. You know, you know everything's a, a referendum on Indiana uh, whether they they win or lose. But there's there's another squad out there. Uh, they were trapping early in, in the game. Uh, then I I saw the first first possession of the second half. They stayed single coverage on Trace Jackson Davis and locked up on the shooter. So what happened was you don't get the open looks you got in the first half, and then Trace uh, that should open up Trace Jackson Davis against. Wisconsin bigs should be a no-brainer. I, I, I think uh, whether it's not getting them the ball, uh, they ran several sets coming out of timeouts. It got to TJD a couple times. Uh, the last six minutes there, as, as we mentioned, he got the ball a couple times. Race got the ball a couple times down low. So that that's where I'm at. You know, I think they were trying to do the right things. Um, but again, going back to my theme for tonight, greatest strength is your greatest weakness. X wants to win. He, he transferred here to win, and sometimes he just maybe tried to do a little too much. Um, they, you know, uh, Trevor Andershock of uh, of um, Peaks talked about the drop coverage. They changed their ball screen coverage too, which made it harder for the lob play. Um, so all of those things happened. That doesn't make it uh, any better. Um, but I think TJD needs to do more than just catch lobs and dunk. Uh, I think he's got to really work on his post game. Uh, whether they're Dublin or not. He had a lot of turnovers against Syracuse. Uh, and then I just think that he tried to get out of the double team and then drive, uh, and, and he was not efficient. And, and when your best player is not efficient, you're going to have a bad half of, of basketball. And really, I thought – I mentioned this on the show last night. I think your best three players ahead really, really, really poor second halves. And and uh, you just got to hope that that's not you, – you know it's not going to happen all the time from those three guys normally one guy has an off night i think all three had an off half um but um i'm a little concerned about trace jackson davis uh you know nebraska doesn't have good bigs and i don't think trace had a great game i don't think uh, wisconsin's bigs i mean we we got uh, a lot of bigs in this conference um and, and you know it's one thing to get 43 against marshall who doesn't play a whole lot of defense but it's another thing when we're on the road at the cole center uh and it's hard when you're you're the guy you got to bring it 31 times the expectations are double doubles it's hard um and i get that and i know that he cares so uh, but but we just need to find ways schematically uh but i think it was just um for some reason they just weren't locked into doing the the right things uh from a, a effort standpoint and, and not really I think they played hard. I just don't think they played aggressively to win or or or, or, or tough with the basketball on offense um, uh, to take advantage of what was there. All right, I got probably a couple other questions, but I think we can fit them into the uh, into the segment on the on kind of evaluating the team at the you know quarter uh, quarter of the way through, Mark. So I'll uh, I'll hold them for that, and we'll get back to those uh, when we come. So uh, when we we are going to take a quick break, and when we come back. We're going to take a broader look at the Mike Woodson era with the first quarter of his first season now in the books. What's going right? What's going wrong? We discuss it all next here on the Assembly Call. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. 
Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. All right. Welcome, chat mob. Coach didn't burst out when Harper Jr. hit the shot to beat to beat <laughs> Purdue, apparently. I, uh, I could gauge it by... I'm trying to be a little more professional. I pre- We appreciate that. <laughs> You know, I thought a big scream. Although and some of the unprofessionalism up. we find charming, so don't don't yeah, I, don't I, go I, too I know. far the That's other tough. way. You know, <laughs> I thought running around the basement, you know, jumping up, knocking ceiling tiles out was not uh, assembly call worthy <laughs> tonight. Uh, I, I feel like driving through West Lafayette right now with my horn down, playing some you know loser <laughs> song or something. Oh, <laughs> uh, nice, nice. Well, go figure. Rutgers had been. Real bad. So I do not own anything Rutgers. I have like 87 different college gear, polos, T-shirts. I would so wear Rutgers to school tomorrow. I, yeah, it, I can't believe just, that's a blind spot in your, uh, in your wardrobe, Coach. That's I might just write it with magic marker on a white T-shirt. <laughs> just put a big R in the middle of it. and Big R. See what happens. Right on that's my forehead, need. I think. You don't even need to write it out. It's fine. <laughs> oh man i just yeah i just watched the shot that's crazy yeah i didn't see it yet my wife is texting me from upstairs about it but i, I haven't watched it yet so good for good for them you know Ty, tyler i think you just spot on on, on the analysis and it, it has me worried that it's been more consistent than we think you know we focus on the two losses being uh one half versus another half but you you brought up a lot of the wins you know the first game of the season nebraska was that way even Marshall to some extent um boy that was the that was the the problem in the last few years long droughts offensively hanging your head if you weren't scoring on offense which would affect your defense or if a team scored eight in a row then it you know it just and and it is hard to fix uh as a coach going back to your question Andy it is you can talk to them you can show them on film you can give them confidence all you want um but at some point the athletes got to say that's enough and I'm I'm, I'm going to you know, smack you down and I'm going to win the game. Um, you know, Coach Woodson can't get out there and block out. Coach Woodson can't cover a post guy instead of blocking a shot and giving up, you know, a uh, vote, two little baby hooks from five feet because you're trying to block shots. Um, you know, at, at some point, and I know I overprotect coaches. Uh, that that's, that's not good either. But at some point, 22%, 0 for 5 from 3 and 3 of 9 from the free throw line. Uh, you're a college athlete. You've got to make shots. Um, that that yeah, it's, it's everyone's funny. mad at Archie because they didn't coach shooting, didn't coach free throw shooting. Everyone loves Woody. Uh, it, it's the same problem um, of shot making. When the shots are going, we're making a lot more this year, which is good, but we're making them in in that um, you know dual personality stuff and. Sometimes we make them and sometimes we don't. There's no consistency right now. Yeah, I just, I mean, go ahead, Tyler. No, I was just going to say you can, I mean, you can get away with that against 
uh, Eastern Michigan and uh, Marshall, even though I, you know, I thought Marshall looked good, but same with Nebraska is that if you play 10 minutes that you're just totally out of it, you can get away with that and still win. But you know, against Wisconsin, that's not going to cut it. And especially when you start to play, you know, even middle of the pack, even maybe towards the bottom half of the big 10 and, Obviously, the top teams, that's just not going to not gonna cut it. Yeah, I still think there's a little bit, and it's funny given the number of new players who are playing key roles, but there's still very much a here-we-go-again feeling with some of the guys who are back on the team who I think really – and then that just permeates to other guys, and, and then it's like the weight of the world is on them as the game's coming down the stretch instead of just – you know, the, the freedom that they talk about playing with goes away completely in some of these scenarios down the game and everybody gets tight and misses these shots. And, um, it, 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 you know, you'd think change the coaching staff, change a bunch of the players, but that overall kind of response to adversity still seems to, uh, to be there, but you know, Tyler, I think you could probably do a piece on each individual player the same as you did the, the team. As I go down this roster, there's things to really like about each player. Mm-hmm. I think they've improved under Coach Woodson. And then there's things which either, again, like Andy said, revert back to what they did in years previous or or struggles. Miller Cop plays really outstanding, then really bad. Um, you know, you could almost go right down the roster um, with, uh, with Tamar, really good, 12, 13 points, then coming in three turnovers in a row. It's just Geronimo, two games absent, really good the, the the other night. So to me, the consistency piece is something that the the learning has to get to, and there's still enough time. Um, but it is is starting to be concerning to me. Yeah, I mean, the, the one thing I would say that is more promising than I think last season was that in some of these games they have shot extraordinarily well. I mean, entering the Wisconsin game, they were shooting 37% from three, and I think that if – you would have told anybody that at the beginning of the season, they would have been elated to hear that. And some of these games they've been shooting 40 and 50% from three. So if you do kind of want to take a positive angle on it, it's that last year when Indiana was losing these games, they were shooting just terribly. And and we've seen, um, you know, even in the Syracuse game, Indiana shot pretty well and especially in the second half. But um, I guess, you know, if you want to take the real positive angle on it is that, some of the inklings of having a, of being a really good team down the road, they're showing more of that potential than they maybe did last season. When Indiana's going well, it looks like college basketball. Fast break, kick to a wing, take a wide open three within five seconds, and the three going in. You know, double team in the post, kicking it out, uh, open three, ball going in, nothing but net. Parker Stewart, Miller Cop. Uh, it looks more collegiate, and that's what I'm trying to get to even after last night, that this team, when playing the way Coach Woodson wants it to, is a heck of a lot better than than what it has been. But, man, that mental side or whatever it is that's causing these uh, ups and downs is is the, just the biggest question mark uh, right now because as, as, as great as it was in the first half, it was like watching. Then you had to – what was it the other night? What was it, Tennessee and Texas, uh, Texas, Texas Tech. Tech? That was 39-34 with three minutes to go in the game or something. And Yeah, that was um, – that's hard to watch. The, the, Text, those textbook rock fight there. stretches are hard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, some of this will be good to hit in this uh, this next segment. So we might we'll, we'll get started with that, and uh, I think some of these are will be good points to fit into each of these categories here. So we will get that started now. 
Hey guys, it's Gene Steratore, CBS officiating analyst and retired Big Ten basketball official. You know, I have never listened to the assembly call, and to be honest, I don't intend to. But if you listen, make sure you ignore anything Ryan says about officiating. He's really good from the seat of his pants, but I wouldn't trust him on the court with a whistle around his neck. Time has proven him wrong on virtually everything. Take care. We'll talk soon. All right. Welcome back to the assembly call. And tonight I'm excited to announce that we have a new sponsor for the main segment of assembly call radio. And just like all of our sponsors, they started out as either friends of the show or IU diehards, just like us. It's superior insulators owned by longtime listener and IU season ticket holder, Brad with winter right around the corner. The timing is perfect to tell you about their high performance insulation and air barrier systems for both residential and commercial. You know their work is high quality because they did the air barrier systems and spray foam for the IU Excellence Academy, and they also worked on the IU Football Locker Room, Marching 100 Hall, and many other buildings on campus. So visit insulators.com to learn more and schedule your appointment. That's insulators, I-N-S-E-A-L-A-T-O-R-S.com to learn more. And thank you, Brad, for your continued support of the show. All right, this is Andy Bottoms here with the coach, Brian Tonsoni, and Tyler Tashman of Inside the Hall. And we're uh, going to take a, a look at the first quarter of season one in, in the books. Thought being 31-game regular season, math takes into account postseason play, which we'll optimistically assume <laughs> at least involves more than one uh, Big Ten tournament game. We'll withhold any snickering or other thoughts on that as we go. Uh, so I wanted to talk about what's going right, what's going wrong, and, and some of the compelling questions going forward. So... Uh, as we look at something that's really going right, uh, Tyler, I'll throw this to you first. What's something that stands out to you that is going uh, going well and or maybe even better than you expected in Woodson's first season so far? This is intangible, but I just think at the, the, the rate that we've seen Indiana's players buy into Mike Woodson's system and, and buy into him as a coach, I think from day one, it, it's been pretty obvious that they enjoy the, the players enjoy playing for him. They they enjoy being around him. That they know that he cares for them. Um, and you know it, it's been in a lot of stretches. It's been apparent in the way that they play that they're really buying into what he's doing. And and they've talked. I think the the, the big piece to it too is um, just the the confidence that he's instilled with them. We've heard uh, a lot of that with Rob Finnessy and, and Jordan Geronimo um, and guys just shooting in general, saying that. Um, that he just instills a lot of confidence in them. And um, I think that's that's a huge piece because, you know, we know sports in general and, and especially basketball too is just so much mental. And to have a guy that is uh, building, guy, you know, building his players up rather than tearing them down, you know, I think in the long run it, it's really big. So um, I think, yeah, just in general, just the, the, the transition that Mike Woodson has made um, just in the way that he, he has gotten guys – to trust him so quickly um, and, and and just buy into what he his vision for the program. So, you know, I think that that for me is probably the biggest takeaway. Um, you know, it doesn't have anything to do with what they're necessarily doing on the floor. But I think when you come in and try to establish a culture, he's done that, you know, probably as well as anybody could have wanted Tyler, you make a really good point there because what needs to be fixed is the mental side. And if the players trust the coach, he's going to try to help that uh, that mental side of maybe taking a half off or relaxing a little bit. They're more likely to listen to his tough love criticism if they trust him. I think that vibe is there. I, I couldn't agree more with you. If this is going to get fixed, Coach Woodson is probably the type of coach that can fix what ills uh, Indiana from the, the, the Jekyll and Hyde 
uh, mental approach of, of focus, not focus, whatever you want to call it. I, I think that's that's important for me, guys. Um, I'm going to go more technical. Um, uh, and I, I think there's a couple more uh, issues that are really going well because overall, I think the Woodson era is is in a in a good direction. I really do. Uh, I'm just tickled with not tickled. That's not a word I like to use, but. Um, I'm just happy with the defense. Uh, it has a defensive mindset. There are players that are going to struggle to guard Parker and Miller Cop, uh, but boy, they fight. When they get beat, they fight. They try to get a deflection. They're trying to get a block. I like the overall defensive mindset of this team. Uh, I think it's 16th, 17th in Ken Palm overall. That will keep you in games when your offense is struggling. Coach Woodson came in emphasizing defense in the summer. It shows. And the reason that seven and two, instead of maybe not losing some, is I think this team has really bought in, you know, going back to Tyler about the buy-in in many different areas. I think they bought into the collective aggressiveness on defense uh, that it's just fun to see block shots, rebounds, um, appropriate block shots, not the TJD almost block shots. But um, uh, just the overall uh, defensive intensity has been uh, a lift for this program and will win them games that they might not be favored in. So, uh, that's the technical piece. I, I also I just second what Tyler said about uh, the buy-in. I also think there's some other things. We'll see if you can identify those, Andy. Well, I think yeah, you know, the defensive point that you make is a good one. I, I think that was the part of the bill of goods of of Archie Miller coming in, really making this team have a defensive identity. And uh, we don't need I don't need to tell anybody who's who's listening to this how that went. Um, but that was again to your point. I think there's value, and it, it goes back ties together a little bit to what what Tyler said as well. You know that what their identity has tried to be, or one of the things they've been really good at, is the thing that the coach focused on. Uh, so I think that speaks a little bit to the buy-in and and that kind of thing that that Woodson is getting from these guys on that end of the floor. So and I think that gives you a good foundation to be able to keep yourself in games. Now there have been times when the defense hasn't been good in certain halves, um, but then has ratcheted up at other times to really allow the the team to hang around. So I think, especially in the Big Ten, it's going to be a little bit of a slog. Uh, then I <laughs> certainly think that's an issue. Uh, you know, that you, you got to try to do something to keep yourself close. Uh, but positive for me, we, we talked about this a little bit in the break, is the, is the shooting in general. Um, free throw shooting last night, notwithstanding, and some other struggles at the, the free throw line, um, you know, there's still been some challenges there, but this team currently ranks, I look at it right now, top 50 in three-point shooting in the country, 37.5%. They're 50, almost 54% on twos. Uh, I think you've seen that. I think part of that is schematic in terms of what they've been able to do, the freedom they've given guys, some of the personnel they brought in. I mean, Parker Stewart, to me, has been as advertised as a shooter, um, and, and that has uh, really, really played well uh, in different stretches. So, you know, I think there's certainly more of a threat. I think that hopefully opens up things for TJD to get more single coverage. As you mentioned earlier, Coach, didn't wasn't really able to take advantage of that last night. Uh, but you saw Wisconsin have to do something different defensively because IU is making shots as opposed to what we've seen the last couple of years where everybody's just like packing it in and the, the lane is like a car crash where there's so many people in there where you really can't, can't get any spacing and can't get any movement. So I think the – the foundations of a, of a solid and consistent offense are there. We just haven't necessarily seen it all the time. Um, Tyler thoughts on any of those or any other, uh, any other things going well that you wanted to highlight? No, I just kind of go off on, you know, what you said about the shooting. Um, I, I think that um, when you look at the losses last season, um, you know, it was almost repeatedly due to shooting um, or the inability to shoot um, inability to make threes. 
And, and to me, that the fact that Indiana has had games where they've shot extraordinarily well, where they've shot better than 40%, I think there was a string of games maybe entering Wisconsin where it was maybe four, you know three or four games or something like that where Indiana shot 40% or better from three. And, I mean, that's just – unheard of kind of from the last couple of seasons. So to me, um, you know, if if you can limit the turnovers and, and, you know, hit a couple more foul shots that, that that, that's just, you know, shooting is necessary in Mike Woodson's system. If you want, if you want to play a four out one in offense, that's not going to work unless you, unless you can shoot the ball. And, and that was one of my concerns coming into the season is that, um, you're taking a team that doesn't shoot well and trying to make it something that is absolutely necessary for the offense to work. Um, and I think so far um, that, you know, the shooting has overall been really good. And, and so that to me is a, a good indication that, um, you know, Indiana's offense does have a lot of potential and that it does have the ability um, to work. And now it's just kind of a matter of getting that as, as we've kind of said, just on a more consistent basis. All right, coach. It seemed like you had a list that you were going to see yeah. if I well, could if I could hit the, the right the right note. Yeah, so I don't know if the did. shooting was one, but if there's other shooting others, was one. Free. The other one was recruiting. Um, I, I like what he's trying to do recruiting and the message behind it. People are. It goes back to what Tyler said earlier. Recruits are buying into to Coach Woodson and Coach Hunter and Coach Ya, uh, and, and they're get you know Hood Shafino is going to be an excellent point guard. Gabe Cups is a winner. Uh, he's got some areas to work on his game. All, all of these guys coming in are from good time, good programs. Uh, Lawrence North, uh, you got from kids from Georgia. Uh, the overall vibe of the recruiting class, you know, yes, we're going to need some bigs down the road. Um, I just think, you know, when we're, we're talking about a tough game last night and everyone's down a little bit, and rightfully so, it, it's it's good to take a step back and look at the the big picture. And And I think the Woodson regime is off to a really good, good start overall in these areas. And and I would just add recruiting. All right. So let's shift gears a little bit and maybe talk about some of the things that are not going, uh, maybe as well as we might have hoped, uh, going, uh, going into this point of the season. So coach, I'll throw that one to you first. Well, um, there's a couple things. Obviously I'm going to, I'm so old, but I, I think this team talks too much. Um, and again, that's that fine edge. You got to play with an edge. You got to play with some juice. Uh, you, you, there's nothing wrong with, uh, congratulating a teammate and, and a big dunk and all of that. But, uh, we've lost two games where we've played really bad in halves. Um, and, and I, I just think that popping the collar stuff is not, is just not my gig. Um, and maybe I'm just showing my age there. I'm willing to take that one, but, um, if you're going to pop your collar and talk a lot, then then you better play a little more consistent uh, on the court uh, and then go talk um, because you're, you're backing it up. Right now, some of the players who are talking are not playing very consistent basketball. So take that energy from your talk and put it into more consistent play. And, and um, that that's, that's a concern for me. And I think it's a part of the freedom uh, movement, if you will want to call it, uh, that, that Woodson's bringing in a little more of the pro flair, NBA flair, um, which can have some benefits. So, there, you know, when you play loose and you play all juiced up, you can play a lot better. Um, but I'd like to see a little more concentration on the little things that matter uh, in the game of basketball at the collegiate level than what Indiana's doing. Uh, that's, that's one concern uh, of mine. Tyler, what about you? To me, it's the turnovers, and and a lot of it too. It, what concern, what's concerning about it is, 
in, in the way that the turnovers have come, and, you know, in against Syracuse, um, you know, and, and games before, a lot of them were just easily preventable, silly mistakes, a matter of guys not catching the ball, um, you know, letting it dribble off their leg, just, you know, silly, easily fixable things, which um, on one end is good because it's it seems like something that, you know, it's not a matter of skill. It's just a matter of them kind of maybe being mentally locked in. Um, but, but I think that that does kind of also come back to uh, the point guard play and, and Xavier Johnson in, in that, uh, you know, I, his, his high school coach described him as a Ferrari with no brakes, which I think is probably a pretty good summation <laughs> of what we've seen so far. Um, but I, I think for him, he needs to make, Try to try to make less of the home run plays. You know, you don't need him to make a flashy pass or, or fit it in a tight window every time. Uh, you just need him to make the the simple plays and execute them well. You know, I, I he he's he kind of has an elusiveness that Indiana hasn't had a, a point guard in a, in a long time. It seems like probably since Yogi Ferrell. Um, so, but you know, I think that he can make stuff happen without ha- like trying to force it, and I think that's that's what he's done a little bit. And I know through the first couple games of the season, he was leading the team in turnovers, which um, at the point bar- guard position, it, you know, that just can't happen. So um, I think some of this falls on his shoulders, and maybe just picking his spots more um, of when he's going to try to maybe make more difficult plays, or, or you know, just go with the simple one. Yeah, I think the, the turnovers is definitely one that I had highlighted. Last night, the, the numbers down a little bit against Wisconsin. I think some of that is a function of their pace of play. So, I mean, even as a turnover rate, it was still not bad. But um, looking at raw numbers gets a little tricky when you're comparing, you know, a game against Marshall where you're getting up and down to a game against Wisconsin where you're uh, decidedly not. Uh, and I, I think, I think a lot of what you know, I think a lot of what we said about Xavier from an inconsistency standpoint. I mean we spent the whole, you know, much of the first segment talking about the inconsistency, not even just game to game, but within games from the team and from players. Um, and so I think what you look for over this next stretch of games, whether that's the the final non-conference games and, and into the early big 10 season is it, it, we're probably not going to eradicate stretches of poor play with this team, but do those get smaller and smaller as you go? And do you see more of that consistency get there? I think that, the the Big Ten is not probably as top heavy as it was once perceived to be, but if you're going through stretches that is essentially an entire half where you're playing far from what you're capable of, it's not going to matter versus when you have a four minute stretch that way. So how do they just get more consistent? I think the overall in game and game to game consistency from the team and from players is probably the biggest thing from uh, from my perspective. Uh, Coach, a- any other? things that maybe aren't going so well from your perspective? No, I mean, I, I think I think the program's headed in the right direction. They took two tough losses with uh, two bad halves of basketball. Uh, if, if you look back over a season of uh, 32, 33 games, you're probably going to find some games with bad halves of basketball uh, for, for many teams. Uh, it just – it, the timing's a little tough. You know, it's early in, in Woodson. It, it's a couple games that really could have helped the, the resume – uh, we're all very excited about the program. So, uh, you know, the way Indiana's lost a couple of these really, really stings because we all want uh, the positive side of it. So I, I think bad halves happen. Um, 
but I, I think we've all nailed it to the head. It's just consistent play. We've seen the ability to shoot. We've seen the ability to have low turnovers. We've seen the ability to be effective defensively. We've seen a lot that we didn't see in the past. Uh, and so, uh, again, after a, a night off, that's where I'm trying to focus on on the positives. I, I think the answer to this segment is it's headed in the right direction short of the two losses uh, and, and maybe the way uh, they've played uh, inconsistent even in some wins. And I think we need to be patient. It's hard. It's just so hard to be patient. Uh, but I think that's the answer from from the fan base, and I think the guys just need to – Make sure they keep going to work and listening and, and trying to get better. And we're going to pull some games out that that maybe people don't think we should uh, under under this coach. So as we think about lingering questions going forward, I'll pose a couple that I have to you guys to uh, to get your thoughts. I think the first one is is a bit around the point guard position, uh, and it's it's a little bit centered around Christian Lander just because of um, the the kind of we talked about Xavier Johnson, the whole Ferrari with no brakes thing is about as apt a, a metaphor for him as I think you can get. And then on the polar opposite end of the spectrum, you've got Rob Finnessy, who um, there's a, you know, there's a governor on with uh, <laughs> with him, it feels like, as he's out there, just not one to get too sped up. And, and somewhere in the middle, I feel like his Christian Lander, uh, you know, this team is at its best when Xavier Johnson is playing really well. Uh, there was somebody uh, was was making comments in the chat that the ceiling is higher with him, but the floor might be lower with him, uh, depending on when he's not playing well. And I think Rob is such a swing uh, swing in the other direction that it becomes a little bit hard that things totally change when he comes in the game, where he's very deliberate and some of those things. I think Lander has a chance to play in that middle ground. So I guess Tyler, I'll throw this one to you first. You know, how do you see that point guard rotation? changing perhaps over the remainder of the season and and I don't know if there's any insight you have I think there's been some speculation that um, Lander's dealing with an injury I haven't heard Woodson say anything about that I also don't know that anybody's asked him about it but you're you're at the media availability and I'm not uh, so you probably have as good an insight into that piece of it as any but just how do you how do you see that that position really shaken out as the season evolves yeah, I have a couple of thoughts on this. And as far as the injury, I haven't heard anything. Mike Woodson hasn't mentioned it. So as far as I've heard, um, he's healthy. Um, but, you know, we've – it seemed that Mike Woodson isn't willing to play three-point guards on a consistent basis. You know, that was kind of a a question coming into the season is you have three guys and what role is each going to, you know, play. And, and it seems like um, Mike Woodson is only willing to really go to two of them on a consistent basis. Um, and, and right now without Trey Galloway too, you know, he can kind of take some more minutes away potentially from Rob Finnessy or Xavier Johnson because he played some point guard in, in the first couple games of the season before he got hurt. Um, but I was a little bit surprised to hear uh, last night Mike Woodson was asked, you know, did he have a thought about going to Christian Lander when, in the second half when, when Xavier Johnson was struggling? And he said that, you know, it, it didn't really cross his mind, that that, that wasn't really an option. And to me, that was a little bit surprising. Just, I mean, I, I don't know if, you know, I don't want to criticize, but I don't know if that's the, the best thing to say, um, you know, when, you know, you don't have, we only have two point guards that are playing inconsistently. You know, I, I think that, you know, it, it, it might be worth giving them a shot regardless. Um, but, 
you know, so it, that's it, that's probably to me one of the most interesting storylines because of just his potential. Um, you know, the potential that he brings, and I think that's why a lot of people are excited about him. We've, we've seen the flashes of what he can be with his vision, uh, um, with it, with his ball handling handling ability. But he, you know, he hasn't gotten a consistent chance kind of outside of um, when Rob Finnessy was hurt. And and even going back to, I was surprised because when I was in the Bahamas for that, he, I mean, he played maybe seven minutes I think between the two games and if there's any time to give you know give him a chance to get comfortable it would be in an exhibition game you know a few exhibition games like that so um you know it's the way that it is right now it, it makes it seem like it, it's going to be Rob Fennessy and Xavier Johnson moving forward and, and Mike Woodson did say as well that Rob Fennessy will continue to be the first guy off the bench or one of the first guys off the bench uh, in the point guard position because of his because of his experience. So, it, you know, it seems like he, he's pretty decided on, on a two point guard system right now. And it seems like, you know, it, barring a change that Landers, the, the odd man out. Co- Coach, how do you how much of a challenge is that for guys on the floor when when the two guys that you're playing to run the team are so opposite in terms of their approach to the game and and how they may run the team differently. It, it just feels like that's hard for the other players that are out there to really get into any kind of rhythm. Is there a way from a, a coaching standpoint to, um, to kind of adjust to that? Or I, I, I'm just curious to get your thoughts. Yeah, I think it's, um, I think it can be difficult. I think you have uh, have something there, but I think coach is trying to get both of them to do the same things, which is to go downhill off of ball screens, uh, to find uh, open shooters. And, and to be honest, both of those guys are, are struggling in different aspects. Uh, X is getting downhill, uh, and sometimes he takes some shots when he should be kicking it out. And, and Rob is a little tentative going downhill, and, and I think he – he ends up trying to look for the pass more than look for the offense. So more than different styles, I think they're just their struggles right now. Their their difficulties right now are two different ones. Would would, would be uh, my opinion. I think the thing that gets lost with Rob and I, and I get it. You know, sometimes on offense, not sometimes, just a lot of times, he just looks like he's very very tentative. But I think the thing that gets lost a lot is his defensive ability. Uh, I thought he did a great job on Davison. Last night uh, frustrated him a little bit. I mean, Indiana held them to 60-some points until they had to stop fouling. If you would have told me that, I think we would have won the game um, type of thing. And I think uh, defense gets overlooked by a lot of us, especially when, when you lose the game and you need about five or six more points. And and maybe we, we interpret it correctly that he didn't get the offense moving as, as much, but really Xavier didn't either. Um in the first half, he did. Um, I thought both of them played really well. In the second half, Xavier was hunting shots uh, because the defense adjusted, and I thought there were some kickouts that that should have been made. So, you know, um, I I think both of those guys need to play, and obviously we're not in practice because if Lander was the issue to help Indiana win, Coach Woodson would play him. Um, I, you know, if, if he was better than Rob Finnessy at all the aspects that Coach Woodson wants, then Lander would play. Uh, I don't know a coach that purposely says, you know, Lander's better, um, but because Rob's a senior, I'm going to play him. I, I, I just don't think coaches operate that way. So we're missing something on game night when we're evaluating on, on game night that we're not seeing in practice that is being demanded in practice, in film study, or whatever. Uh, why 
they've determined the the pecking order of of one, two, and three. But I think Coach Woodson likes that defense, and I think he likes that second unit having that defensive stopper. Geronimo's a, a, an athletic defensive stopper too. Uh, when you're trying to burn minutes to get your uh, starters rest, it's nice to have some defensive guys. And I think sometimes uh, we all get caught up in the offensive side of the basketball uh, a, a little bit, uh, which which Rob is struggling. So that's I, I think it's, uh, X has got to get most of the minutes because he's our best chance. If he's having an off night, maybe you play him a little bit less or in foul trouble, you play him a little less. We need him to be on the floor 25 minutes, I think, at least, uh, if Indiana's going to reach reach his potential. And then Rob will be efficient in his tenor or 12 minutes uh, on the floor, I think that's a good role for him. Yeah, I think with that, just before we switch gears to the other question that I wanted to hit on, I, I, yeah, and you're right, Coach, if he thought it gave him a better chance to win, there's no reason that he wouldn't play him. And I think right. the other thing you got to look at is, you know, until something dramatically changes, the way he's been used is is the way he'll continue to be used. And and so far, it's been kind of a, in case of emergency, break glass scenario. And when you know, all other, you know, Syracuse game, he gets thrown into a really difficult part of the game, but that's because you don't have anybody else. Um, and so, you know, you, all, the, the best way to figure out how a coach feels about something is to watch what he does. And, and that's really how he's handled the, the situation. So I do think later has stepped into some challenging moments and performed. And I think that's the challenge that, that, that Woodson gets himself in. Cause he's been in those scenarios. People see it. They want to see him play. But it kind of leads into my next question, which is really about the rotation in general. The, you know, we've the Trey Galloway injury has shortened the rotation naturally a little bit in that. And you know, I think we saw last night he is is, is using a lot of a second unit together. Uh, did that in the middle of the second half, then ended up taking a timeout to get the starters back in. Uh, I, I guess uh, my question would be. And Tyler, I'll throw this one to you first. You know, what has been your overall impression of how? Woodson has kind of managed the minutes, trying to get guys in, you know, playing more defined first and second units and, and things like that. And, and do you think that's something that is working at the college level? And uh, and do you think it's something that he's going to change or have you seen it even change from the beginning of the season to, to what it's been more recently? What I've liked about what he's done is that he doesn't seem rigid or strict to deciding a rotation before the game and then absolutely sticking to it no matter what. Um, you know, he, he seems like if someone's playing well, he's going to leave them in and they're going to get more minutes. And we saw like in the Nebraska game, the starters got off to a really bad start. And so he pulled them and he put in the bench and they were playing well. And so he rode them um, a little bit more. So, you know, I think that uh, he, he's done a good job of kind of just managing the flow of the game for the most part. Um, you know, I, I think that definitely. And, uh, and also, you know, he's, he's let, it seemed like the starters go for longer at the start of the game than some other coaches where, um, you know, I think Miller cop was maybe in there for the first eight, maybe 10 minutes last night. I'm, I think it seems like there's been most games where the starters are in there for the, at least the first six, seven plus minutes. Um, so I think that kind of goes back to his NBA background where, you kind of you let guys go a little bit longer um, without having to you know pull pull someone three four minutes into the game and what I think that allows them to do um, is get into more of a rhythm. So you know if you have a unit that's really playing well together, um, they're gonna you know he's gonna leave them out there and, and they can continue to kind of build some of that go cohesion and, and build some of that uh, momentum. So you know as far as the rotation, I think 
just the way that he has kind of managed it in the flow of the game, I think for the most part has been really good. Coach, what are your thoughts on how he's kind of divvying up the minutes and, and managing how he's playing guys? I, I think it's okay. It's it's abnormal for me to see a, a lineup out there with four reserves and you wonder who's going to score. You know, back when you did all those lineup analysis, there were several times when we we talked about or, or you guys talked about, you know, what lineup was this? Who's going to score in this lineup? You get that feel a little bit. But last night the bench was in either all five guys or four guys and one starter. And they were plus three in that long stretch in the first half, and they were minus two in the second half when they got pulled at six twenty-three. When everyone thought, you know, should have got the starters back in, uh, so they were a plus one for for their minutes where they played together. Uh, to me, that's hard to criticize. It serves two purposes: you kept the game flow where it was at, and you got valuable rest for your starters which should have come back refreshed and ready to complete the game, and and that didn't happen. Uh, playing uh, your your best players, 36, 37 minutes to win a game is going to hurt down the stretch in late February and March. So I, I'm a big proponent to get Durr in there uh, and to get Geronimo in there and play your eight to 10 minutes and, and back off some of the minutes. You just hope there's not that big of a drop-off. And I didn't think there was last night, but I'm not going to lie. It takes some time for me to get used to it because I like seeing one or two starters out there with the subs. I, I would prefer that as a fan. Um, again, but I'm sure that's, uh, you know, that's a little more professional NBA style approach. I think, uh, that we've seen at times, um, I, I don't, you know, Leo plays at the end of the first half, Leo plays at the end of the second half. He had a feel for, for Leo. I thought Leo played okay. Um, I like his hustle. I like his toughness. So I, I don't, I don't have much criticism for, for Woodson, I. And his his rotations. I'm sure there are points where he's going to say, "Man, I put that guy in, and he did this wrong." And put that every coach goes back in a game and says, "You know, did I play the right rotation?" So I'm sure there are some some areas where even he would say, "I, I need to do this better and do that better." But um, I, I seem to trust him a little bit with what he's trying to do. Uh, he believes in. It doesn't mean that it's going to work out. And then I trust him when it doesn't work out to go out and sit with Mata and sit with Fife and Hunter and talk about it um, you know, and, and get it fixed. I just have a good feeling about Coach doing that. Uh, and if he keeps learning like that, all of us, even Izzo and those guys need to learn um, from game to game. So I, I don't have a problem with, with the rotations uh, at all. It, it's funny. So a couple – Couple, couple thoughts on this. The Leal thing was interesting, and I meant to bring it up, so I'm glad that you you mentioned it. I thought he played well at the end of the first half, and then it just seemed odd that he didn't come back in until crunch time down the stretch. And I think that's difficult position for a player to be in. I, I get maybe doing that in the first half, but if he played well enough in the first half to play down the stretch of the game, it seemed odd that he didn't get in until the last handful of minutes. Um, the other thing, though, I, I did think that stretch, and, and you, you talked about it, I mean – the bench really responded well in a, a tough situation yesterday. I, I wrote it down. Lead got down to 51 to 44. And with the bench guys on, Geronimo gets fouled on an um, offensive rebound after Scoop missed a three, made one or two from the line. Durr scores inside. Rob gets a layup, potentially in one, does miss the free throw. And, you know, so they wrap, rip off five points right in a row, get back up to, you know, get the lead back up to 12. And would have been 14 had Durr not gotten called for that travel, which I even on replay, continued to not quite figure out what was going on there. So they really responded well in that stretch. And then, you know, that doesn't that doesn't happen. And, you know, that, that Durr 
shot doesn't count. And then Wisconsin, you know, scores four points in a row. And, and that's when IU takes a timeout to get those guys back in the game. But they had really pushed the lead back from seven to 12 to almost 14. It could have been 15 if Rob makes that free throw. But uh, I thought they played well in spurts. But it is it definitely has been an adjustment to kind of watch the way he handles that. And yeah. I have neither the time nor the desire to go back and chart lineups like I used to do. But it would be no. much easier now than it yeah. was in the uh, in the Korean era when I first started doing it. If I was going to dip my toe into the water of doing that, uh, then I think that would be it. But uh, anyway. You know, on that uh, Durr play, he, he didn't land on two feet when he did his jump stop. When I went back and watched it, he did travel. Uh, I hate to admit it, but he took one step and then he did a one-two where most people land on two and go up. If he lands on two and goes up, it's not a travel, but it was one, two, three, and then up. Um, that just was a little footwork issue. He kind of got in a hurry. Um, so I, I think right. that was all right. gonna, ultimately the right cut call. Cut your mic. This is ridiculous. We can't have this. <laughs> uh, all right, so before we take a break, Tyler, any other lingering questions for you as you kind of get to this point in the season? No, I, I think we covered them. I think, you know, for me, it's just the, the big thing is consistency. We've seen, you know, how good the team has been and uh, in stretches of play and, and also how bad they've been in stretches of play. So I think, you know, um, all things considered, uh, nine games in, I think that Indiana, you know, is certainly not in a bad place. I think they're probably in a pretty good place. Um, but, you know, things definitely to to get figured out before uh, before January. All right. Well, coming up on our third segment, we will uh, answer your questions, as we always do. Uh, got a good number of them. We'll try to hit at least a handful before we uh, wrap things up tonight. So stick with us here on the Assembly Call. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And... Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Good stuff. Good stuff. Kind of good to talk about it that way. I feel like maybe more good than bad. I feel like if you really put things in the columns of what's going well or better than you expected versus what's not probably more in the positive column. So we'll take that. Yeah. Except, the, except I mean, for when coach said the, that wasn't it, that, that really was a travel. It wasn't me. And I hate to break that. I know. Just don't, it, it was, just, I mean, you don't have call. to say it. You can know it, but I don't need, you know, 
<laughs> my, my bad. But, it, it, you know, Andy, you're absolutely right. We've taken two devastating losses uh, and, and all the momentum and all the joy and everything and, and the shooting and all the good things. And then it just wasn't a loss. You know, you, you play hard and it's consistent and it's a three-point game, four-point game. Five. You're disappointed. You're going to point out this situation. This, But to, to come back down from 16 and tie it up and then losing double overtime, gut-wrenching, and then to be up 22 and lose gut-wrenching, it's just – even as fans, I think we follow Tyler's up and down, <laughs> the inconsistency now. Um, it's just th- – those losses were really, really tough, and, and I think that – the other thing is um, I don't like being a bracketologist right now either because I just think Indiana's road is is tough. It doesn't mean it can't turn around because we've seen teams that were 9-7 and seven at – you know, in, in late January, go on an eight-game winning streak or something, and and make a run in the tournament. But um, there, there's just not. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm Brad. Um, there, there is a Santa. Um, see in the chat, chat mob. Um, I still get Santa gifts. Um, I'm going to get a couple this Christmas. So anyway, um, <laughs> no, I, I do. Andy, I asking for Santa for. I, no, I buy my own gifts and then give them to myself from Santa. Uh, so what are you getting yourself? I, I'm getting myself some home field apparel he shirts was... already ordered from Santa. Nice, nice. I forget which ones, um, but yeah, that's what Santa's bringing. So yeah, I'm I'm Brad. There, there is a Santa, but I, I do I do just think the style of losses really hurt. Yeah, I mean, um, kind of like we said, like if without knowing how the games played out, it, it would be much less painful than actually having watched the games play out. But watching the games play out is really kind of part of the experience. So <laughs> anyway, all right, well, let's hit a few of these. I got to wrap up probably by 1030 at the latest. So we'll try to hit a few of these fairly quickly and go from there. Sounds good. Uh, all right, here we go. Hey, it's Romeo Langford. What's the only thing better than hand a game winner to beat Wisconsin? Celebrate it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosers. All right. I don't really know why I picked the Romeo Langford drop about being Wisconsin. That really was not intentional. I just didn't think about what he said. <laughs> so maybe, maybe a better choice next time. What are you going to do? All right, it's time for our mailbag. Uh, I'm Andy Bottoms here with the coach Brian Tonsoni and Tyler Tashman of Inside the Hall. And uh, we're going to go over your questions as we always do. Uh, all questions submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about and join over at assemblycall.com slash community. Uh, something new for the mailbag. If we use your question on the air, you get rewarded with our new community home coin. So you can learn more about that at homecoin.fans. All right, first question from CW76. What's the better representation of this team, the first half of Wisconsin slash second half of Syracuse or the opposite? Tyler, I'll let you take that first. I think that's the question that we're all trying to figure out. I think that we'll, we'll only know that as time goes on. Um, you know, that's that's kind of what I, I – my big takeaway from – uh, last game in the Syracuse game was that you know, there's two teams we've kind of seen, and and I feel like, uh, you know, the last couple of seasons we've said these teams have a lot of potential. Can they put it together? And, and they haven't for the most part. So um, I'm interested to see, you know, if it's going to be different this season. But, 
Yeah, I think I think that's kind of the question we're all trying to figure out right now. Coach Tyler's absolutely yeah, he's absolutely correct. Um, however, I think I think it's the good halves. Indiana's closer to the good halves than the bad halves. And like I said, over the course of thirty-three games, you're going to have some uh, extended periods of bad play. Uh, this just happened to be really bad play for for a half and cost us a game. I, I think the improvement from last year needs to be focused on. Uh, I think this team is is closer to that uh, than than closer to the bad halves. Yeah, I I tend to lean in your direction, Coach. Maybe that's just to be stupidly optimistic i i don't i don't know but i think it's it's easy to be the team it's easy to settle for and be the team that is the bad version of that uh it's it's hard to to play at the level they did during the good times of those halves consistently but i think based on what woodson has tried to establish and and the way they seem to be responding to him to go back to something Tyler talked about earlier I feel like he can push him through uh the parts that are that are tough but uh obviously remains to be seen there's no bigger lingering question than which one of those is the uh is the real real Hoosiers at this point uh all right next question from Dave Vanderleen what can we learn about this team between now and the new year so between now and the new year we have IU home versus Merrimack Notre Dame in the crossroads, home versus Northern Kentucky, home versus UNC Asheville. Coach, what can we learn about the team in those games, given those opponents? You know, there's always something to be gained uh, from from games. I, I think the real answer is we're not going to know about the pressing question until we play someone of uh, of equal value or, or better better than our our program. But what you can learn is how you respond to adversity. Uh, can you get motivated to go play uh, some lesser opponents and play good basketball? You play against the game. So you're going to learn if we can make strides mentally, uh, if we come out and flip the ball to 18, 20 turnovers, if we have up and down moments against these teams, then that pattern exists. We can learn something that way too. Uh, but again, I'm positive. I think you're going to learn from it. I think one of these teams is really going to pay uh, because the guys are going to be a little angry and a little focused and come out and just smack the crap out of someone, win by 70. Uh, that's my hope. But I hope we can see some mental uh, toughness, some mental IQ, basketball maturity show up in these three games. Um, but really the true test is going to come with Ohio State and, and the Michigan States and that when they, when they start hitting our schedule. Tyler, as you cover the team during that time, what what things are you looking for, whether it's individual or or collective, uh, during those four games? For me, I, I think you know, given that these aren't the the highest tier opponents, other than Notre Dame, I, I think the Notre Dame will be telling to see can you know they're they're not Notre Dame isn't great by any means, but they're a Power Five team, and I think that. How Indiana comes out against them, if, if they blow them out, then that's certainly a good sign. But I think with the non-conference games, it's, it'll only be telling if IU struggles against them. If, if IU comes out and just blows them out, I think that's what's kind of expected. That's something they need to do. But if we continue to see kind of some of these issues with turnovers and, and playing maybe one, only one good half of basketball against uh, Merrimack and, and UNC Asheville and, and these teams at Indiana should be pretty easily. Um, that's reason for kind of concern to me that some of these issues aren't being 
you know, addressed. Um, but I, I think it's just difficult kind of overall, given the level of competition to really um, judge. But, you know, if they come out flat, then I think that's kind of an easy indication that, you know, there isn't maybe the growth at the rate that it should be happening. All right, next one is from Stucky06. Would Coach Woodson be advised to give X a shorter release or even bench him for a game or two to send a message? Uh, Coach, I'm going to throw this one to you first because I think it's a, a, a bit of a coaching question because I think I, I, I think there's two important factors to this. One, what does that do to his mentality? And two, you better be damn sure you got somebody that's going to come in and do the things that you want to do on a regular basis if you're going to sit him down. Um, so those to me are the two key factors to consider. How do you, uh, you know, how, how do you deal with a, a guy who is kind of emotional in the way that he is and really can get caught up in the game, but also, you know, gives your team a higher ceiling when he's out there and, and rein him in, but without reining him in too much to lose the things that he does well. Uh, to me, it comes down to communicating and teaching. Uh, and and it, it sounds simple, but you have to sit down and have man-to-man talks with, with someone like that. Teach them on the court. Teach them in film sessions. Talk to them about mental approach, those things. Xavier Johnson needs to play. Uh, Tony's a good dude. Asked a question. Uh, glad he put that in there. Um, and I know that Knight had used the bench to to do things, but it, it, if the game would have ended at halftime, uh, X would have almost had a triple-double. He, he was just unbelievably good. Uh, and then if – if I have a guess, I think X wanted to win that game and, and it got tight and he was the point guard and he's on a new team and Coach Woodson believes in him and, and maybe he just tried to do too much, which, again, you can back someone down from that. Uh, you can't necessarily lift someone up. We talked about that with, with Rob. And one of the things I'll, I'll try to get our listeners to consider, I'll never tell you what to do necessarily, but um, – when a game like that happens, everyone says this guy shouldn't play and this guy shouldn't play and this guy shouldn't play. One of the reasons our team is better, our program's better, is because coach trusts him. And Tyler said it earlier, the buy-in, uh, that mental approach, you don't want to lose it over one half of basketball or, or one two-minute stretch uh, by um, subbing out for airs. At times you have to do that, but it better be two or three things in a row and you better have good communication and good relationship. If, if you start uh, doing that, uh, Andy, you mentioned you're going to lose – uh, maybe all of that goodwill that that you build up, that's a fine, fine line as a coach, uh, and you need a psychology degree to to be able to handle that. But you got to talk man-to-man. You got to have honest, tough conversations. You got to show them the right way, uh, and then you got to trust. Uh, and sometimes if they lose like we did uh, and you had trust, then you can that gives you a chance to build that back up. But you, you can't be too fragile with these guys and just – pop them in and out of the lineup every time uh, they have a little bit of a bad run. Tyler, curious to get your thoughts on, on this from, from this perspective. Um, I feel like sometimes on TV, you catch little exchanges between coach and player. Um, but maybe you don't get the full gist of it. I mean, what's, what's your sense of the relationship between Woodson and X based on what you've seen in games and media availability, stuff like that, that, maybe lend some insight into what coach is talking about from a communication perspective. I think with, it's not only with X, but with, you know, kind of all the players that there's kind of a balancing act that Mike Woodson has that one, he's trying to instill confidence in his players. And I think that he does that. Um, But two, that he's just going to be kind of blatantly honest with them when he needs to be, and he's not going to be afraid to chew them out 
um, you know, if, if they did something wrong or he feels that it's necessary. So I think that it's just kind of a, it's an interesting kind of concept that, that I think maybe first you instill that confidence um, and then that, you know, the trust builds and then, and then you get to the point where you can have exchanges where, you know, you, you're, you know, honest with someone, um, but that you're still going to hold that respect. So I think that that's really important when you kind of go back to just um, the type of person that Mike Woodson is kind of that, that he is and, and how the, the, the relationships and, and how quickly he's been able to establish those with players. All right. So last one for tonight, because um, I think we hit the angles of a lot of these others from a lot of uh, aftermath of Wisconsin type questions. So uh, not to belabor that anymore. This was an interesting one from Steve Harvey. I don't, I presume not the Steve Harvey, but you never know. Um, fun non-Wisconsin question. Uh, overzealous referees affect the pace and fan enjoyment of watching college basketball. All right. I can, I, you've, you've reeled me in. Uh, what would happen if we ran a one game experiment to allow college players to make their own calls like we see in pickup games? Uh, Tyler, I'll throw that to you first. <laughs> no, nah, man, I, I say go for it, man. It's like the uh, pickup games on campus. Guys call their own fouls. Um, I mean, I don't know if it doesn't drop blood, you don't call anything. So I, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe do that. I think it's worth a shot for sure. Over under on minutes before Brad Davison gets punched in in a scenario where you're calling your own fouls, uh, two and a half. That's yeah. That I'll, was say, I'll take the under thinking. on that. I'll take the under. <laughs> Man, that guy, he's got all the bags of tricks. I saw him in the Providence game do kind of what he did to X with the like hooks a guy's arm and then yeah. gets him to call an offensive foul. Anyway, coach, what do you think about the uh, call your own fouls? How does that? Man, does that it brings back out? it brings back a lot of memories of the old hyper um, building where you went and played some games and had to keep the court and you called your own fouls and. The arguments that would exist, you, you you know, maybe you put a limit on it. Like you can only call so many a half. So, you know, you, you got to know time and score and make a choice. If you get hit a little bit in the first minute or two, you wouldn't call it. Um, boy, that would be that would that would be fun. Um, I don't know how consistent it would be, but uh, yeah, put the Elam and Elam ending or whatever in there to college basketball. You really turn this up, this college basketball world upside down. Absolutely. That's it. We're done. No more questions. All right. Well, that will do it for this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Thanks to Bob Thompson for producing our music, and thanks to John Ringer of RigsDesign.com for designing our logos. And thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again on Sunday after the Merrimack game. Until then. Take it from me, Max Bielfeldt. Keep your calves flexed, your elbows in, and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. I like everything about that. All right. Well, that will do it tonight. Tyler, it was awesome having you on. You're doing a absolutely Great fantastic job. job. I don't know if – I assume people who are listening to this are probably reading your stuff, but uh, it's really been – uh, enjoyable the you know, kind of your approach to some of the features and even the post game stuff. So I have uh, really appreciated it. Looking forward to to following your coverage the rest of the season. No, no, I appreciate that, and thanks for having me on tonight. All right, good work for sure. All right, well, thanks everybody for joining us, Coach. There was something that you mentioned when you answered one of the questions that made me think about the practice for the fifth graders I had tonight, but I can't I can't quite remember what it was. It was definitely a point where I was like, do I even like basketball? 
how are we playing this way? Maybe it was just the which team is uh, the real team. Because, man, we, like, really played well over the weekend, just kind of, like, fought our butts off, and then we get to practice, and it's, like, legitimately as if we just found five strangers and threw them out there to play. It was unbelievable. All There's, like, we practiced with another team. We were all just, like, what what are we even watching right now? So, I tell you, what's worse than being a fan and seeing up-and-down play is being a coach of a team that has up-and-down play. Because uh, you just are grasping for everything that you possibly can do to help people put get out of that situation and help that situation. You know, we're two and two at the high school level, and we've had some struggles with turnovers and shooting. And you know, we had uh, I think we had thirty points, thirty four points, or something at the end of three quarters, and exploded for twenty two in the fourth quarter and one by seven. Uh, if you know. You think we're getting good shots, then you turn it over, and then all of a sudden you miss two defensive assignments. Um, being a coach uh, and having inconsistent play uh, is tough, whether it's fifth grade, high school, college, you name it, because you believe in what your guys or girls are doing, but you don't see it all the time, and you're paid to fix it. That yeah. That's just tough. We, we're not a team that scrimmages well in practice is what I've come to come to, come to learn, but – <laughs> oh well, what are you gonna do? We had we had one this weekend. We're like this is the first year they could press in our league, so we're we're up, but we're trying not to turn the ball over. Knew they were gonna press coming out. Say to the girl who's inbounded the ball, who did just a fantastic job. Like was not the person who inbounded the ball at the beginning, but like eventually I was like, all right, she's making good decisions, doing whatever. Made a soccer analogy because I know she plays soccer. I go, we do not want to throw this ball in the in the middle of the floor. We don't want to throw this ball in the paint. We're un- inbounding underneath the basket. I go, this is the same thing as in soccer. You wouldn't kick the ball back across the the front of the goal. We walk out and sure as hell, just first thing we do, just fires one in the middle of the lane. I was like, well, I was like, I turned around to my assistant coach. I was like, I'm right. That was the one thing we said we did not want to do, right? So anyway, they, she ended up, she's a really good defender. So she got right back in and like stole the ball right back. But I was like, man alive. That's what we did not want to do. But it's crazy. We, we build a 12 point lead with 50 seconds to go and proceed to turn the ball over three times. And the other team has the ball with like 32 seconds down seven. It's like (laughs) the game was over. Just don't turn the ball over. Yeah. 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 What are you going to do? Yeah. Oh, well, who so knows? I watch it on Wednesday night, and then I watch it again on Thursday and Friday. We got to play better this weekend, though. Um, and then Brent and I, my son, we coach against each other Saturday night. His team, he's a JV coach of Rossville. I'm varsity assistant at Western. We go head-to-head um, oh, nice. Saturday night. So Ooh. a little family. We haven't talked all week. Uh, Hello. Sh- good yeah. night. Perfect. Have a good day. <laughs> We're not even talking how was practice. Nice. Don't want to give away any secrets. He's upstairs watching my art film. I'm downstairs watching their film. That's fine. Um, he comes downstairs. I shut my, you know, no secrets, man. I love him. I would do anything for him, but I want to kick his ass. So <laughs> that's just how I'm winning. Winning's a little more important than being a dad on Saturday. I'll love him again on Sunday. There you go. All right. Well, good luck to you. Good luck to him, too. So, all, all right, right, Tyler, we appreciate you joining us again. Keep up the good work, and uh, we'll definitely have you back on at some point over the course of the season. Maybe we'll have answers to some of these uh, lingering questions by then. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, thanks for having me on again. <laughs> have a good one, guys. All right. Hopefully we'll right, answer we'll in a positive you. way, more importantly. But all right, cool. Thanks. We'll see you guys. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night. Peace.